Welcome to the newest episode of Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. I'm your host, Jason Fraley, picking the brains of the top filmmakers, musicians, and artists of our time. 35 years ago today, Dirty Dancing opened nationwide, featuring the Oscar-winning song I've Had the Time of My Life by Bill Medley and Jennifer Warrens. I spoke about it with Medley when he brought the Righteous Brothers to the Birchmere in Virginia in 2017. Reflecting on hits like You've Lost That Love and Feeling, which a new generation discovered in Top Gun, and Unchained Melody, which a new generation discovered in Ghost. Hello. Hi, is this Bill Medley? This is Bill Medley. Bill, thanks for joining us. Well, thank you, Jason. How's everything out there? <laughs> Everything's great. You know, very busy. Okay. <laughs> I know that. I know. Uh, what can we expect? If our listeners come out, they love the old Righteous Brothers tunes, what can we expect to hear? The old, All the old favorites? Yeah, they're going to hear every Righteous Brothers song that, uh, you know, that, that Bobby and I had uh, hits with. And, uh, yeah, it's a real Righteous Brothers show, and it's all the old songs. And, uh I got a great partner and boys he's he's phenomenal and uh and uh, you know we're, we're we're working in Vegas every Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday. Uh we do a residency thing here and uh it's just been remarkably successful. So uh, uh but yeah, we do I tell the audience we do all the old stuff cuz there ain't no new stuff. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it, hey man, those old ones keep cycling back into the into the new stuff anyway, so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> those yeah, song those yeah. songs are timeless. Uh all right, cool. Well, you you kind of alluded to it, but I know you're partnering with a, a new singer, uh Bucky Hurd after obviously after uh Bobby Hatfield, your longtime partner passed away back in uh 2003. Um Yeah. So uh, how, I guess first, how talented uh, and how much you miss Bobby, but then also what what does Bucky bring to the table? Well, it's like I say on stage, you can't replace Bobby Hatfield. Bobby Hatfield was, you know, truly one of the the great singers. He was just a phenomenal singer. And, uh, you know, we grew up together. Well, you know, from about 21 on. Uh, until he was 63, you know, we were, we were friends and partners. And so, uh, I miss him as much off stage as I do on stage. So there's everything to miss. He was a very, very funny, funny guy. And we just had, had a lot of fun together on stage and off. And, uh, but Bucky, you know, when I, uh, sat down with Bucky and Bucky and I've been friends for 13, 14 years. And, uh, I went in to see him and he was doing a couple of journey songs and he just, uh, sang them just, you know, broke me up. And I said, man, God, this guy can really sing. <laughs> if you can do Steve Perry, you, you, you got a shot at Bobby Hatfield. And, uh, <laughs> so we, so we met, and I had had this offer to come to Vegas as the Righteous Brothers. So uh, we met, and, and, and because Bucky and I had been friends for uh, quite a while, I knew he was a great guy, and I knew he was a great singer, and that we were going to get along really good off stage and really good on stage. And I told him, I said, you don't have to sound like Bobby. You need to sing like Bobby. You need to hit those notes. And you need to have a, a good time with me on stage. Right. Awesome. So when did when did you guys actually team together and start doing the Vegas residency? How long ago? Um, it was March of uh, March of last year. Okay. And we <laughs> we we went to a 
an area here uh, called Laughlin, which is about an hour and a half away from Las Vegas, to where I told Bucky, I said, we can go there and break the show in. We can go there and die, and nobody will know. <laughs> and, and, and the room seated about 800 people, and so we show up for the, and we were there for five nights because I wanted to, you know, work, break in the show. Right. And uh, I walked in the night and I said, well, how's the crown tonight? <laughs> My road manager says the whole week is sold out. <laughs> so we did, we did, we didn't get a chance to, uh, to walk into this very gently. I mean, we had to walk right into it, but, but uh, my only two questions in my mind was, do, do people care that there's a Righteous Brothers, and will they accept Bucky? And uh, the first song that uh, Bucky sang by himself, he got a standing ovation, and uh, they just love Bucky. I mean, they just they just love him, and, and obviously people care to hear, I don't know if they care about the Righteous Brothers, but I know they care about the music, you know. <laughs> they still care about the Righteous Brothers, of course. Well, I uh, hope. <laughs> take me back to, speaking of which, take me back to sort of the beginning. I know you guys started in like 1962 around the L.A. area, back when it was a group called yeah. the, the Paramours. <laughs> take me, <laughs> memories of the Paramours, and, uh, you know, tell our audiences sort of how, how you are able to spin that off into, into the duo, the Righteous Brothers. Well, uh, Bobby... We were from Orange County, you know, out there where Disneyland is, uh, California. And uh, Bobby had his little rock and roll group, and I had my rock and roll group. Uh, he, he had a group, the Variations. My group was the Paramours. And uh, we had a mutual friend that had been working a lot in Las Vegas, and he was kind of uh, a little tired of it. Uh, he, he wanted to be with his family and, and uh, one. So he took Bobby and Bobby's drummer, myself and my guitar player, and put us all together. And I and I knew about Bobby, you know, I mean, because uh, back in those days, 62, 61, 62, there wasn't any any white guys, uh, especially in, in California, kind of doing what, what we did. So right. when, when we got hooked together, we Bobby and I just started doing all this rhythm and blues stuff together, duets, and the people just loved it. And Orange County was, at that time, was very, very, very white. And, um, but there was a Marine base there, El Toro Marine Base, and a lot of the black Marines heard that there was two, you know, these two uh, white guys down at the club singing rhythm and blues. So they started coming down and, uh, and in those in those days, you know, if you had a nice car or a coat or whatever, they'd say, man, that's a righteous-looking car, which uh. meant good. What a good-looking car. And if they liked you as a friend, they would call you a brother. And uh, so a lot of times when Bobby and I were coming to work, uh, they would say, hey, how you doing, righteous brother? You know, <laughs> which meant good friend. And uh, then the owner of a record company, a friend of mine, came in to see us. And I had written a song, Little Latin Loopy Lou, and, and we were doing it in, in, in the club, and he loved it. And he, So we went in and recorded it, and just because it was just a duet with Bobby and I, uh, we didn't want to be the Paramours. And Bobby said, well, why don't we call ourselves, you know, what the Marines have been calling us, the Righteous Brothers, and they put out Loopy Lou, and uh, man, 
it just uh, started unfolding from there. Wow. I never knew that, that whole backstory with the Marines and the name. and Oh, that's fantastic. That's amazing. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So that so that's sort of how you you built your audience then, sort of sort of through those Marines. That's cool. Yeah. Um. Awesome. Yeah. All right. So so you mentioned that that's how you sort of got the eye of the, of the record label. Um. Take me into your your first big number one hit. You've lost that love and feeling, man. Everyone can still sing that by heart today. Even younger generations <laughs> know that one. Nineteen yeah. sixty four. Um. How'd that one come together? I know it was uh, Phil Spector recording, and then Barry Mann and Cynthia Whale um wrote it. If anyone saw the Carol King musical on Broadway, they saw the whole behind the scenes of the that writing duo. But um. But man, tell yeah. take me into how that song came about. Well, uh, Phil Spector knew us from California because Little Lap, Noopy Lou, and My Babe, Coco Joe, all those songs were like, you know, West Coast hits. <clears throat> and, and Phil, you know, was out there in Hollywood. Then he knew all about us. And uh, he had called our our record company, Moonglow, and said he wanted to uh, uh, lease the remainder of our contract, which, which was about two more years left. And... Uh, and they asked us if we wanted to, you know, work with Phil. And we were a little hesitant because he had worked with, you know, mainly girls, you know, uh, you know, Ronettes and, and Crystals and all that. And uh, mm-hmm. so we said, okay, we we would like to give that a shot. And uh, so Phil Spector called Barry and Cynthia and said, right, the Righteous Brothers a song. I'm uh, going to record them. And they, they wrote Love and Feelin'. But they they really kind of wrote it as a little more, you know, faster and a little more bubble gum. And so when we sat down with <clears throat> Phil and Barry Mann to learn it, they were singing it way up kind of high. Like, you never close your eyes anymore when I kiss your lead, you know, way up there. Gotcha. And I said, I can't I can't hit that. I know you long time love. I can't get up there. <laughs> so I said, please, man, tighter pants. And uh, <laughs> so they they lowered it a little bit. And every time they would lower it, they slowed it down. And they literally had to lower it about four keys. And uh, by the time we got to C, the key that we did it in, it was slow. And it was, you never close your eyes. You know, it was all... A totally different song, and uh, and it didn't sound like it was going to be a hit because it sounded like it was on the wrong speed, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but I think everything that was wrong with it kind of made it very special. So just just one of those records. God God bless Barry and Cynthia and Phil Spector. Absolutely. Do you remember where you were the first time that 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 little song that you thought wouldn't be a hit was all the suddenly all over the radio? Do you remember the first time you heard it in public? Yeah, you know that that's really a, an out of body experience when you first hear your record on on the radio. And Little Lap Noopy Lou was the first one we heard, and uh, I just uh, you know we just flipped out so when we heard love and feeling on the radio it just was amazing because it sounded so great against all the other songs that they were playing you know yeah it really stood out i'm sure unique yeah it stood out yeah very unique absolutely um awesome all right well uh maybe hit a couple more uh you're my soul and inspiration how'd that one come together soul and inspiration was supposed to be the follow-up to love and feeling 
And we were in New York. We, uh, we just came back from England promoting Love and Feeling. And we were at Barry and Cynthia's house uh, learning soul and inspiration. And then uh, Phil Spector and Barry and Cynthia got in some sort of a disagreement. And, and they sent us back to California to work with some young little girl named Carol King. <laughs> And uh, <laughs> you might have heard of her. <laughs> yeah. She, and she was a young little girl in, in those days. And, uh, and, uh, so we did, she, her and Jerry Goffin wrote the, the song just once in my life and it became a hit. But then, uh, the, the two record labels were having a disagreement. Uh, and, and one label is saying, no, I don't want you to go and record. The other labels, you know, Phil saying, no, we got to record. And MGM came up with a good solution. They said, we'll give you a million dollars to come over here and we will take care of all the legal expense. <laughs> so we said, well, that sounds pretty good. Yeah. Uh, so we went over to MGM and I called Barry, Barry and Cynthia. I said, I need, I need that song that you were teaching us. And, uh, they, uh, and Barry said, oh, geez, we didn't even finish writing that. I said, please, please finish writing it and get it to me immediately. So they, they finished writing it, and we went in, and I produced uh, Soul and Inspiration. And, uh, and I just copied what I thought Phil would have done with that record because it was, uh, you know, kind of a, a Phil Spector record, you know. Right. And it became number one. Wow. That's, that's, but I also produced Unchained Melody, too. Yeah, that's the next one I was going to ask you about. I mean, that, to me, I mean, everyone, like, that's the career song, right? That That's an amazing song. Take me, cause, but a lot of people probably not don't know that, I think I think you guys originally covered it from someone else first, right? But then, of course, yours is the definitive one now, if I must say. Yeah, well, well Roy Hamilton recorded it, and it was probably, you know, it might have even be, been before rock and roll took off. I don't know, but Unchained Melody was written for a movie way back there called Unchained. It's about a guy that's in a prison <laughs> writing a letter to uh, his his uh, girl. And, and I think it was actually an instrumental, and then they wrote some lyrics to it later. And uh, Roy Hamilton and Al Hibbler recorded it, and we fell in love with it. But we fell in love with everything that uh, uh, Roy Hamilton did. And uh, so we, when Bobby and I would record, uh, we couldn't come up with an, enough duets. So I, uh, Bobby would do a, a song by himself, and I would do a song by myself. And I was producing the albums. Phil Spector asked me to produce the albums because he would take too long and spend too much money. So uh, I produced uh, the album. Bobby wanted to do Unchained Melody. I arranged it and uh, produced it, and and Phil Spector, I, I guess, thought it was such a bad record, he put it on the B-side of Hung On You, uh, which was Phil Spector's production. And uh, and the disc jockey said, no, we love Unchained Melody, and bam. 
Yeah, there I'd you say. Go. Yeah, you said it was. It's funny. It was written for that other movie, Unchained, because all those years later, it was another movie with uh, with Ghost that re- really repopularized that thing. I mean, it's funny. It's like thirty years after it was originally uh, a pretty big hit for you guys. It became a chart climbing, massive hit again. Just talk about how much that movie, Ghost, really you know surged it all over again. Well. You know, it's really interesting about about movies and uh, or your know, song being in a movie because now you you know now Unchained Melody is about you know this guy that passes away you know like eternal love and, in the afterlife. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And uh, uh, the song was actually written by uh, <laughs> a guy in prison. <laughs> but uh, but you know because you know we had love and feeling and Top Gun and I did the song for Dirty Dancing Time of My Life. I really feel that Unchained Melody had a lot to do with making a ghost a a great movie. You know, I don't, I don't think love and feeling in, in Top Gun, you know, turned the corner for, for that movie. I think it was just a great movie. It was a, it was fun to watch him play that at the piano though. Tom Cruise. It was fun. Oh yeah. 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 No, that was great. It's great. Oh, it's great. But that's cool. I mean, yeah. But you're you're entirely right. I mean, I mean, Ghost. It was a, it was a cool idea for a script and all that. But I mean, you're right. That song, and then even like the instrumental version of the song that they have in the score. You know, they kind of allude yeah. to the, it. Would that that's what makes the movie? <laughs> it's what makes it. Yeah, it's real haunting and it's real beautiful. And, and you know, and Bob Bobby sang lead on that one. And boy, <clears throat> you know, it's just that the guy the guys that. Uh, the guys that wrote that song, they must have died and went to heaven because they they probably just wrote this cute little song for the movie. And, and, and you know, 50 years, 60 years later, it's one of the biggest songs in the world, you know. <laughs> it's so funny how that works. Well, you mentioned Time of My Life for Dirty Dancing, another Patrick Swayze movie, uh, by the way. So, yeah, I mean, he owes a lot of his career to you guys, too. Uh, rest in peace. Um, but yeah, yeah, I mean, talk talk about working with Jennifer Warrens for that one because you were, you won a Grammy for Time in My Life, but it was also, I mean, talk about another song that the movie would not be the classic it is without you guys. Well, you know, that song was just placed in the movie right at the right at the right place, and the you know the climax of the movie, and and it was just really special. And uh, actually, Jennifer and I kind of just did the song to work together because we didn't figure the the movie, you know, a movie called Dirty Dancing sound like a bad porno movie back there. <laughs> and, uh, and, no, uh, that putting baby in a different corner. <laughs> in a whole different situation. But uh, they, uh, but they stayed on me and stayed on me and said, Jennifer wants to sing it if she can sing it with you. And so Jennifer and I went into the studio really just to record uh, to work together because I was a big fan of hers and, and maybe vice versa. And, um, and all of a sudden this little movie that was going to do nothing became one of the biggest movies, probably the biggest movie of the year. And, uh, and you know, how, how can you figure any of this stuff? You know, it's a song that I wasn't even, uh, uh wasn't going to do, you know, but, uh, but we did it, and they put it in the movie, and it was just absolute. And they were just, and God bless them, they were just certain that Bill Medley should sing this song, you know. <laughs> and they were they were relentless. They stayed on me for three months, 
because my wife was expecting our daughter, and I promised her I'd be home for it. <laughs> they said, has she had the baby yet? <laughs> and uh, so finally, uh, um, McKenna, my daughter, was born, and now she's on stage with us doing Time of My Life with me. She's a great singer. That's so great. And uh, so, you know. Boy, it's it's been a hell of a ride, I'll tell you that. <laughs> Do you and either you and McKenna or you and Jennifer Warrens did you ever attempt the big uh dirty dancing lift? You ever tried that? Oh god no. <laughs> I no no thank you. No thank you. Not even at a young age would I try that. Oh, that's <laughs> that is so funny. Talk about so so how often does does she come up on stage with you, your daughter? Well, you know, in, in our show, we have two horns and two girls, and, and McKenna's one of the girls, and she comes down when, when uh, I uh, introduce uh, Time of My Life. And uh, we do it, and uh, it's really, it's really, you know, great in the show, and uh, it's real fun singing with my daughter. Talk about a blessing, man, to be able to perform with your daughter. I mean, you're like you're one lucky guy, and and I think you've been married to Paula yeah. since what 1986. What's the key to that? Wow. Wow, you know what? I don't know, man. Uh, <laughs> I, I I tell you, you know, mar- marriage is a whole career, and uh, <laughs> my first marriage was about six years. My second marriage was a year. My third marriage was six months and my fourth marriage has been like 31 years now that's uh, finally got it right got the right girl absolutely and i mean you mentioned all those different marriages i'm so glad you finally have have closure with with uh the the horror with karen i know the the dna evidence just came out like last month and i've read some some of your articles on that but is it is it you have a little closure now with that now that that's can kind of put that behind you and enjoy your new you know the rest of your family life yeah, you know, it's just just about now uh, calm, calming down, you know. It kicked up a lot of dust, a lot of dirt when we had to do the press conference and the, see this guy's picture and Karen's picture. She was such a beautiful, sweet, wonderful lady yeah. and, you know, the mother of, of our, our son. And uh, so it kicked up a lot of dirt for, for a couple of weeks. And... Um, and I tried to stay away from from interviews and this and that because it just uh, wasn't letting it go away. But now I now it's good. And I do unchain melody on stage, which is a tribute to Bobby. But I must I must say once in a while, you know, not once in a while, almost every time I do it, Karen pops into my into my head when I'm doing it. So, uh, oh, man. But, but I'm good now. That's... I'm good now. And I thank God it's done. I'm so f- glad you found peace and closure, and that now you're out there touring, and uh, it's just so great. I'm and th- thanks. Thank so much. you, brother. Thanks for you know staying strong, and I'm glad you were able to bounce back and do the solo career and just find peace and happiness and great family life after that. All the all the best, you Bill. It's it's been. Thank you so much for talking, and we can't wait to see you at the Birchmere. Um, it's an incredible life you've lived. Do you ever look back and say, man? All the things that I've gone through. It's pretty amazing. Yeah, almost every day. I, I That's the one thing I wish I could, I told somebody I should just write it on a piece of paper and put it on the mirror so I see it every morning. Do you realize how blessed you are? Because <laughs> I am. It's true. Well, we are going to be blessed to, if we come to the Birch Mural to see you and and Bucky. Keep the Righteous Brothers going. Uh, ho- hopefully you guys stay righteous for a lot longer. Thanks so much for joining uh, us. Bless you, man. Thank you. All right. We'll see you out there. Okay, man. Bye. Bye.
Thanks so much for listening to Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. Our theme music is Scott Buckley's Clarion. Remember to give us a five-star rating if you like what you hear. We'll see you next time. wanted to take a second to tell you about an app I really enjoy. Living in the D.C. area is great, and Podcast D.C. gathers all of the local shows that I like all in one local app. Health, sports, local news, politics, and so much more. Podcast D.C. is the new local app with hundreds of D.C. area podcasts to choose from. I can earn exciting rewards just for listening and share the podcasts I love instantly. Available in the App Store or in Google Play, listen local with Podcast D.C.